What happens when mom writes a letter to your baby sister that says, to be opened upon my demise, and you don't get one? Or what happens when you pack mom and dad's ashes in your carry-on luggage on your way to Hawaii? And what happens when you try to shop for funeral services like you shop for an expensive pair of shoes? Where's that sale? You might be surprised. Welcome to Doing It Best with Elder Care Success, where we explore ways to relieve the stress, exhaustion, and overwhelm that we all face in caring for an aging parent, frail spouse, or partner. Fear, frustration, emotional, and financial strain does not have to be your MO. Stay tuned as we dive into different and new ways of finding more joy together with those that we love and care for, and while keeping our feet solid on the ground. Hang tight, there is a better road ahead. Welcome to my episode with my good friend, Paulette Hamill, who's also known as the Legacy Lady. Paulette is on this incredible mission to help 1 million women get their affairs in order, both in business and life and succession planning, and especially those of us who are entrepreneurs, not that those who have a corporate life shouldn't be doing this as well. But if you've got the responsibility of caring, not just for your family and yourself, but employees as well then this is really important for you to take a second look at, or maybe it's the first look at, to make sure that you have everything set up and planned for should something happen to you. I can't tell you how many times this has happened in the large public company world, and boards of directors aren't prepared for the sudden passing of a CEO. Can you imagine what that's like for an entrepreneur and their employees and their family? Even bigger devastation. Trust me, I've seen that too. But Paulette has the ability to show us that roadmap with a little bit more light at her back, some wind in her sails, and yes, maybe a halo or two. And one last thing before we start, please, if you haven't listened to episode 17, which is fun with funerals and final wishes, that's the title for that show, then please take a look or please take a listen because it's packed with tons of information that's going to be able to make your life just a little bit easier and those of you who have people in your life who you love. <laughs> I think we all have people in our life who we love, who, who we love. Paulette, thank you once again for joining us here on the Elder Care Success Show. Our last discussion was really fabulous and detailed on so many different levels, including the emotional level, which is important. But what I want to do today is, in part two, is get into some of the traditions, the cost of all of this that can be surprising when it comes to burial and, and just putting everything to rest, literally and figuratively. And one of the things I think that people are not aware of is that you are not beholden to whatever the funeral home tells you from a cost perspective, and you can negotiate, correct? That is correct. And not only can you negotiate, it's encouraged that you take and get information and pricing from a funeral home and then go down the street and check with the next one or get on the phone or get on the internet. You can absolutely negotiate the cost of the items and the cost of the services and then find out ways that you can maybe save some some money or some time in terms of what can be done for your wishes from the basket to the celebrant. And the key really is though in understanding all the nitty little gritty details because there are a lot of them 
that people don't even know about everything from the cost of transferring the casket or the body or the ashes from the home to the funeral site or to the grave site or to wherever you're doing it to opening caskets. I mean, I mean, not but Bolton, <laughs> that's part of it. But <laughs> I know what you're talking about there is um, when you're more than 75 miles from home, uh-huh. there's an issue that comes up where you're out of your county, you're out of the jurisdiction of the funeral home, typically that would be closest to where you reside. So there are costs when you're 75 miles or more away that all of a sudden come onto the table that might not have before. Now, is it the case for everybody? No. But if you are in, for example, in Chicago and you live in northern Wisconsin and you pass away in Chicago, there are going to be fees to get you from where you pass away to the funeral home that you had designated or not that's closest to your home. If you haven't designated a funeral home, they will go to one that is within the proximity closest to where you live. I want to stop you a second because when my mom passed away, Dad had passed away just the a little over a year before, and there were no costs for transferring his ashes. In fact, I was surprised that they showed up at the VA cemetery in a hearse. Yeah. And their comment to me was, a body's a body, which I thought was wonderfully respectful and it helped my heart and soul a lot that day. But when it came to transferring mom's ashes from the funeral home, to, again, the VA cemetery, because she was going where dad was, they were going to charge me like $125. And I said, wait a second, you didn't charge me then. I said, oh, well, things have changed. I was like, nah, no. I mean, so they gave in. But I was really annoyed that that happened. That's where people need to speak up because the VA is a separate conversation into itself because there are so many services offered to those that served as part of their recognition and gratitude for that service. And like I think we spoke in the last episode, VA services don't start until that veteran has passed away. Whereas the rest of us civilians are able to pre-plan and pay and arrange for our arrangements up front. So yes, what happened with your family? Will the, the body be taken care of and transported where it's to be needed? Yes, as a VA. But the VA spouse becomes now a civilian if they're not a veteran. Right. And that civilian is under different rules and regulations. And of course, the funeral industry, and not to sound crass, but it's an industry. And these people are out to make money as well. They are not taking care of our loved ones when they pass away for free. But there are transportation costs that if you don't ask, will be there. And there will be fees. And there will be these these odd names with the word fee attached. And you just have to ask, what is this? Why am I paying for that? And you don't know what to ask for unless you walk into a funeral home and find out, can I get a copy of your cost of goods? Everything. You cannot be denied that. I don't know if people realize if you walk into a funeral home and you ask for the cost of goods, you cannot be refused by law. That's fascinating. I did not know that. Yes. They have to hand you that piece of paper that lists all the items that they sell, all the services they sell, and the costs that are attached to those services. That is mandatory. And when those might actually come into play. That's a conversation. Then you want to sit down with a funeral director or a family planner. You want to sit down with them and start talking about personal details. But they're going to give you their general cost of goods on a sheet. Every funeral home has that. And the crematories as well. But funeral homes are bound by law to submit a cost sheet to people that ask for it. That's interesting. They didn't They didn't even offer that to me because... Yeah. I guess, we, you know, we're planning dad and it was a VA, but I made sure that everything was taken care of for mom too. If you don't ask. It's not like it's don't ask, they won't tell. 
It's just that if you ask, they have to give it. Most people just don't know that you can ask. <laughs> ask for it. Yeah. No, no, that's great. The other thing is is what I found fascinating a while back, a number of years ago, well before mom and dad passed, is looking at the costs of caskets. I mean, it's like shopping for a, a good pair of designer shoes on discount. You can actually buy caskets and urns on Costco and Amazon and Walmart and... <laughs> You, you don't have to get the one that the fancy ones that you only- just listed the three, the three, I forget what order they're in, but those are the three largest sellers of caskets. Is that amazing? Yes. And I know people that have purchased their casket and it's not assembled yet. And they just have the box in the rafters of their garage with a directive in their will that says my casket is there. It's ready to be assembled. The family has to do that. And people, I think, also don't realize you can purchase your casket elsewhere. And bring it to the funeral home. It's the IKEA model. But, <laughs> right. but the funeral home has rights also. They are a place of business and they have standards. If, if you've, you know, made something out of crates and this is what dad wanted. And I'll share my own story. For example, my dad told me since I was little, all of us kids, he told us, I just want to be buried in a gunny sack. Do not spend a ton of, of money on a coffin and all this <laughs> other stuff for me. I don't want a casket, all the rest of this stuff, right? So I'm going, dad. You can actually be buried in a gunny sack. Is that your wish? And he was like, at the end of the day, he was like, well, you know, there's going to be other people. And I think I should be. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So we went from the gunny sack, but I'm using the casket because some people want to build their own. And some people want to buy or are woodworkers and want to create an incredible piece of art. Mm. And for their loved one was an artisan and they want to do something that's really unique and different and be able to bury that. Well, you need to check with the funeral home first that it can be transported, that it is transportable, and that the funeral home will be able to do what they need to do to to carry this safely and make sure that it will stay together. And at the end of the day, if they're going to a cemetery, you're going to be in a vault. I think we talked briefly about that. And that concrete vault is a concrete box in the ground. And you're placed in that, and then that concrete cover is put on top. And that's so that the grounds of the cemetery or the funeral area, they stay flat and even. They don't sink. And this allows for the caretaking to happen at a much better level so that you don't have tombstones toppling and you don't have uneven spaces and the mowers can't get around. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. It's like you can't take care of it and they have to be out there doing everything by hand, it's not cost effective. This is, this is a logistical thing. And yeah. I could be incorrect warning whether it's even an environmental issue, right? When you think of yes. where some cemeteries might be, especially smaller ones that are yes. in residential areas and yes. how to deal with that, especially with those that might have well water or other things, yeah. not to be gross about it. but Those ones, those ones don't have vaults. I'm talking Excuse about uh, those ones don't have vaults. The, the small those community ones, ones do not? These are just bigger, more commercial cemeteries that have the vault. Yeah, when people drive by there, I say, how do they keep the lawns so smooth and even? And how how are the grounds to look so uniform? Well, it's because they have standards that they have to adhere to, so that they don't have drainage issues and they don't have trees dying because they can't get water. And they want their grounds crew to be able to get around mm-hmm. and properly care for the stones and the markers and everything else. And that's allowing equipment to get around, etc. So yes, there's logistics as well as practical issues. And they do as whatever they can to make sure that they're following sustainability and any other laws and issues. Now, I'm not a funeral director and I'm not an attorney. I'm just somebody who's been through a lot 
and happened to get myself educated in funeral pre-planning and ended up working in funeral homes and cemeteries and thought, I want to get this message out to the general public that you can take measures, fill out your own paperwork and shop right, for the services that you're looking for. And it's not a scary, icky thing. And you're not bringing death any closer to you by thinking about being prudent and putting affairs in order. What you're doing is you're leaving a gift to the people that are left behind who are going to have to make these decisions anyway. It's not bad juju. It's actually good juju when you think about it, right? It is good juju. Yes, very much so. I think for me, I look at it as you're, you're leaving a gift. It is literally the gift of time, the gift of forethought. I have to say, I was very, I was very thankful that my parents had done a lot of this beforehand. Yeah, they knew that they wanted to be cremated. We had these discussions for for a number of years. They had signed up in. They were in Florida for this organization called Cremation Society of America, mm-hmm. which is, I believe, only available in Florida. But there may be other cremation organizations are calling yeah, from- check state by state and the best thing to do is just go online and look for crematories within your area and then what I like to do is I like to call the funeral home to find out what the relationship is because the two work separately which is what I found out I didn't know my parents even assumed that well if we've got this paid for they paid $700 each and that was done and taken care of so that would have been their entire cost they expected, including the cost of the urn, which I didn't know that they had selected. So cremation is a, is a little unique because what you can do with cremation is you can go just to a crematory. Right. You do not have to go to a funeral home. You can go straight to them. And now there are crematories that are offering funeral home-like services and spaces and beautiful facilities. And you have the option to watch your loved one go through the process of cremation, or you have a beautiful place to wait and meditate or pray and be able to pick up the cremated remains some days later. Some It's not instant. I think a lot of people think that cremation is a very fast process. It is not. Whoosh, right. It takes time and there are things that have to happen. So, But I'm just saying that the crematory itself can be contacted directly. So you don't have to go to a funeral home. And that's part of, you know, I'm sure funeral homes don't appreciate me saying that. But there's also relationships that happen between crematories and funeral homes. So calling a funeral home to say, who do you use for cremation is a very valid question. And then you can say, you know, what has your experience been like? How do they handle mom and dad? And the funeral home might say, well, we step in, we take charge and do that. And that might be something that you're looking for in that type of thing you want. Well, and not every funeral home or crematorium has a great reputation. So you do want to check that there have been stories that aren't great. Thankfully, there are only like one every couple of, not even a couple of years. I mean, every like 10 or 15 years that you hear about. Yeah, they're, they're always the ones that make the news. Right. It's dramatic. It's sensational. It's, it's super crazy. And people jump all over it for the news. In general, the industry in this country, Canada and the U.S. has been set up, I think, in a beautiful and phenomenal process. And the options available to people are numerous. It's staggering to me that people don't see or understand how many options are available to them. It's really interesting. I think it's a very special person who goes into this kind of industry. And over the generations, it was typically a family type of business that that moved down. That's gotten out of it. There's big business in it now. Some funeral homes and and casket manufacturers, their their largest, are public companies. So understanding that, I think it helps to understand the business first and then deal with the emotional aspects second. But that said, 
there was a, a number of years ago, I met a young woman who was in her late 20s. And she was, and it was at a death cafe that I went to up yeah. in Connecticut, which was also a very special, interesting discussion, which we've had before on, on the show. You should explain that to people for a second. Death cafes are exactly that. That's the name of it. If you look that up and do a Google search for your area and just write in death cafe in whatever the name of your city is. They will come up and these are places where you can go and speak openly and ask questions or voice concerns. They're fabulous. Share information. And sometimes it's just a place for people to go and vent and share their grieving if they don't have a close circle or a way to do that. So these are people that meet for the very purpose of sharing their situation about the death of a loved one or things they're going through. And there's also people that are going through terminal illnesses and things like that, too. It's a place to gather. It's not morbid. It's not gruesome. It is a very beautiful way for people to speak openly. Yeah, actually, I left feeling very uplifted. I have to explain, and I'll put the episode that we discussed, that was Sue Brain over in the UK, who worked with the original founder of the Deaf Cafe movement, which was very special. But death cafes are not places to go for grieving help. There are specific groups for grieving. Not grieving So that, you know, to understand that um, there are very special discussions about just understanding this later quadrant of life. Yeah. There's words too that people aren't used to. Death doulas. Yes. You know, they're like, well, what's that? Well, let's talk about a death doula. So a death doula, and I'm not one, but they, I've dealt with them. And these are people that believe in the spiritual realm, that believe in bringing people through the process of death. They're people that are Christian also. Very different walks of life, actually, in general. But their whole mission seems to be, and this is my personal opinion, to walk people through as a guide on what you can do with your loved one if you want them to die in state, it's called, right? At home, mm-hmm. in hospice, if that's where they are, in locations where maybe they are not wanting to be in a normal hospital setting, right? Or they're not wanting to maybe go. They help with the final after the body, I mean, after we've died, right? Yes. And they help with the washing and the Correct. cleaning and very much the Jewish faith does this too. Yes. I think, I think a lot of them are faithless, but they bring respect. They bring whatever traditions are important to you and they incorporate that. Mm-hmm. And they have the gift, like you said, of being able to be there for people and help them through the process of that person and what's happening with their body and their situation as they're as they're going into the dying. We were very, very fortunate. The aides and the, the women that worked with mom and dad were were with us as yeah. those those last breaths dissipated. Yeah. And at that time they each said, please, we want to be the ones to take care of and wash and dress and clean. And they sang and yeah. they told stories and they I'm sure they cried. My sister and I were on the yeah. other side of the room. They took care of this for us. Thankfully, because I don't think I had the emotional strength to do that myself physically, but to know that the love continued on even after the breath was there. And and I believe in my own heart, I'm not a particularly religious person. I'm a spiritual person, I think, as many people are, and we have our own ways of handling this. But I believe in my heart that my parents in each case knew that these ladies were there with such love and grace that we were just all in love, in, in, involved, enveloped in it. It was, it was the most kind and beautiful situation we could have had. This is the beautiful work you're doing, Nancy, and Caremanity. And I just want to say that a lot of people in general, my personal opinion, 
treat end of life as there are caregivers and they see nurses and they see medical staff, but they forget or are not aware of midwives, death midwives, they call themselves, death doulas, they call themselves, or women and men that will come and help you plan while this person is passing away. That whole process, if people are afraid, they're unsure, they're not sure what to expect, having somebody with experience beside you to help you go through this process can change it from a scary event, I'll call it, to to gentle, incredible, gentle, compassionate, empathetic goodbye, right? Hospice helps a lot in many cases. Yeah, if you've got a good hospice group, the nurse who was there that... Well, a lot of them are volunteers. Very much so. The nurse that was there that helped with moms at the final, you know, her papers and everything at the end said, I'll take care of your mom's body. And we said, no, it's already done. And she was shocked. She said, what? I've, I've never seen a family do this. And she looked at the photos that were around our house of mom and dad and their life and the joy and over the years. And she says, wow, uh, she was just shocked. But I, but I understand how it can be a very difficult and even frightening time for families to want to yeah. hold and touch the body after those people that you knew that had so much no, life were gone. No two people have been through the same experience or had the same exposure to okay. death or dying. Some people don't experience it until a grandparent passes away. That's typically mm-hmm. a lot of people are in their 20s and not have not have seen anything. I know other people that refuse to go to funerals because they don't want to deal with that situation or be exposed, you know, they're they're afraid of it. And I was like, that's okay. That's your choice. Do I agree with it? No. Because I think seeing that person and being a part of that season of their life. And I hope for everybody that it can always be without suffering, but there is suffering. There is pain, not for everybody, but it occurs. And having somebody this to be standing there beside you to help comfort you, but also share with you what's going to happen next makes the process not a process. It makes it an incredible life experience that you can share with this person right to their last breath. And I think that is phenomenal. And this podcast that you're doing and bringing this awareness to the public, and for me too, it's just to share, to share with people that this is a tough conversation. It's time to have it. The earlier, the better. Raise your kids knowing that it's going to happen one day. And that preparation, it makes them know that when something does happen, it's not all of a sudden everything that has to be digested in that first one minute, <laughs> you know. And we never really let go. We have our hearts and our spirits and our stories. So life may not continue in the physical realm, but life will continue on in in the memories and the joy that remain. And I think there's one quick comment I want to make. It's, it's funny that we talk about all of this. And as a kid, going to like the museums of natural history, where you see all the bones yeah. and everything else, like right, the sarcophagus is, I was scared to death. I would hold my mom's hand or whoever was with us and close my eyes as we walked by the bones. I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are talking about death. And it's like, oh my God, what have I learned? Do you know what it is at the end of the day? It's honoring faith traditions and honoring the person's wishes. There is incredible comfort, courage. I want to call it living I don't know how else to say this. Incredible living comes out of being a part of somebody who's dying 
and I'm not saying strangers, I'm not saying going out there and be a funeral director or something mm. like that. I think it's an incredible profession. You're right. It takes special people to offer their lives to that service. But when you can honor some faith traditions, spirituality, whatever you want to call it, and put forward wishes of that person that's passed away, there is a closure and there is a joy that cannot otherwise occur. If you just make it willy-nilly and you're just like, I told somebody, I'm not dealing with it. I can't think about it because it's not something that I'm ready to talk about. I don't want to bring it on myself any sooner than when it's going to happen. That's when I'm saying, let's stop talking like that and start talking about what can I do? What can I put in place? What paperwork can I fill out? And let me get it done. And then check it once a year. See if you still want that to happen. It's okay to make changes. And- yeah, that's part of the, that's what's cool about it. That as you learn more, you start to be like, you know what? I want to be, be going out as part of a fireworks display. <laughs> I want to be in that Harley and be an urn riding on my favorite bike down the center aisle yeah. of church. will <laughs> allow it. I mean, I've seen it. I'm sharing stuff, saying things that have happened. There was an urn who... He was a major kayaker and he wanted to be on the seat of his kayak. He didn't want to be in a casket. And he was, his pallbearers put the oars to the side of the kayak and they carried his urn on the seat of his kayak. And that's what went down the aisle. I think that's great. (laughs) I I think, I think that's great. Yeah. No, I I hope people will be open-minded and heart filled to to do something beautiful. And the other thing that we haven't really said too much about is it's also an opportunity while you're living to write a letter, a message, or a note, or a card, or an email to people in the future and let them know what you think about them or the impact that they've had in your life or what you wish for them in the future. And we can talk about this on another episode, but living today and having these thoughts good thoughts for people that will read them when you pass can be a tremendous part of the healing process. It's very interesting that you mentioned that my mom and going through papers before mom and dad died, I found a letter, it was an envelope that was closed addressed to my sister that said to be opened upon my demise. And I'm like, she got a letter and I didn't get one. I'm like really oh. pissed off. <laughs> but oh. when, when she When she opened it and we read it, I understood. It was a letter to explain to her how my role was in this process of their life and why it was important and why it was going to be important to her to help her through this will. So it was telling my sister to honor her big sister, basically, which was kind of interesting. Wow. So, and I have some, and mom, mom and I talked about these things all the time. I always say all the time. We weren't obsessive. But because we had a a different kind of relationship, I think that that helped. But I know we've got a hard stop, Paulette, so I don't want to interrupt your day. And and you're helping so many people in that life transition from business to career to families on how to make those final plans and do it with dignity and respect and grace and gentleness for everybody. And I honor and respect that so much and love what you're doing. Thanks, Nancy. And if anybody needs assistance, I've got resources. I've done, I've done the uh, the heavy lifting, I like to say. We'll put all of that in the show notes and how to reach Paulette. If you just need that help and how do you how do you put those papers down and share the information with those that you love so that they're not in incredible distress and sorrow and 
feeling of loss at the end. Where do you go to find it? And there is no charge. That is what I'm giving back to the world. If you ask for the help, I'm here to help you. If you're looking to go further and you're saying, hey, I would like to talk about business and succession plans and what do I do to set up a legacy lifestyle and a legacy business, then we can talk about working together. But what I do have for everybody and just ask is the paperwork, the resources, where to go and what you need to fill out to get it done. That's great. With so many single parents nowadays that I think that's important for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Paulette. I love this. Having me. <laughs> this has been wonderful. I love talking to you. And go out with a halo and aura or whatever you call it, uh, shining bright. <laughs> right. Oh, I love it. Love it, Nancy. And I wish you the Take same. Take care. Let's do this again. I look forward to next time. Have a great day. Bye bye. <laughs> you too. This show is sponsored by Caremanity, the publishers of How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies, a step by step guide before, during, and after. For your own personalized free file of life, go to www.howtosurvive911.com. All trademarks, brands, and comments are not intended to be substitutes for medical, financial, or legal advice. Please consult a medical, legal, or financial professional for issues relevant to your own personal situation. This show is produced by Caremanity LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2021 Caremanity LLC.